0: We are back. Welcome back to the Flat Out RC podcast, a podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis and drones. My name's Andrew, still coming to you from the land down under in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome back, everybody. We've got a really interesting episode this week because uh, we're talking to someone that likes building models, but building them in a different type of way. His name is Carlo Espartero, and he is a relatively new era modeler, but he's really into 3d printed models So it's it's a really really interesting chat this guy carlo he's so he's pumped on the hobby and i love talking to people like that and i can't wait to, to hear our chat because you'll you'll enjoy it so uh let's get into it let's have a look at what's been happening around the traps There's a lot happening, uh, even though it's not peak flying time down here in Australia. I know in other parts of the world, you've got some nice warm weather and stuff like that up in the Northern Hemisphere, but not down here. But uh, there's still some events coming because things are warming up. Our winter has been a pretty warm winter, uh, but it's things are spring Spring is almost upon us. So the Jets Over Minato event, I've talked about this for a while now, uh, 25th to the 27th of August at... Uh, Adelaide Model Aerosport Field Old Princes Highway Minato Um, big long asphalt runway. It's 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 like the Wang Jets of South Australia. So if you're into jet flying, get online. I, I'm actually looking at their Facebook page. They've got a jets over Minato event listed on uh, on Facebook, 25th to the 27th of August. Uh, it's on again, Adelaide Model Aerosport welcomes you to a free low-key jet fun fly at monato Field. All types of jets, welcome. 130 metre long, sealed runway, on-site camping available at $10 per night. Note that pilots must be a member of mgA affiliated club, all the usual stuff. So we're getting close to that. I hope that you're ready to get down to that. And the other big event is the... Just going to put this into the in the old Facebook machine. The Shepherd and Mammoth event is is the big one that's coming. Uh, it's it's one of the most iconic events here in Australia for for large scale um, planes, and their event is being held in the middle of uh, September, the sixteenth to the seventeenth of September. It's a Saturday Sunday event. Uh, see the largest scale models aircraft in Australia. Now the thing with this is you've got to have Your planes have to meet a certain criteria because they can't be small. First of all, they've got to be scale planes. Don't turn up with a sport jet. You'll be asked not to fly it or a stick. And preferably don't bring your foamies. This is for the best of the best large-scale aircraft. Monoplanes, minimum wingspan is 80-inch. Biplanes, 66-inch. So plenty of tiger moths and cubs and decathlons and you name it. I love going to this event because... It's so one of those events that's been around for a long time. So they're celebrating the 40th event. And I'll tell you what, they've got prizes galore this year. There's a whole bunch of uh, raffle prizes, pre-entry prizes for, for, for pilots where you can uh, you can win a whole bunch of different models. Um, kindly donated by Stars, Model Flight, Scale Aero Products. The Australian Scale Association is involved as well with some prizes. Plenty of plenty of stuff happening. And also, I've actually seen some of the stuff that they're doing for this event um they have designed some really nice t-shirts that you can purchase uh for the to celebrate the 40th running of this event so you know, i'm not a big fan of error modeling fashions i must say that um we've got to ban uh unnatural fibers one because people just sweat in them and secondly these bright leirish bowling 10 pin bowling style tops it's just not classy people Let, let's bring a bit of class to the field by dressing up uh not that many of us do but we look like a rabble sometimes so dress up wear something nice wear your sunday best and turn up to the 40th mammoth scale flying buy a 40th mammoth scale flying t-shirt whilst you're there you can pre-order them actually if you go to the valley radio motor valley radio flyers.com.au website valley va double radio flyers f-l-y-e-r-s dot au, uh, you'll be able to see all the uh order forms and the entry forms and stuff like that there is an entry form online pre-enter you're going to a draw to win prize there'll be raffle prizes um, as I said to be you know, raffle tickets to be purchased on the day as well Camping fee people love camping at this event it turned into a mud mud pile last year, last year due to the rain but there were still plenty of people camping and it's twenty dollars uh, for the weekend. a lot of people turn up early like people make a week of this event. so let's see if we can uh, get some good numbers down there. if you've got some nice models bring them down to the event because we want to see them. Uh, I'm not taking a model. I'm coming there. I'll probably shoot a video, maybe take some photographs, do something. But, but uh, which I enjoy doing anyway. Uh, uh, and so, but I love to see the type of models that you don't normally see at your local flying field. I'm a member of a big club and we see some pretty good planes. But I want to see other people's really nice planes. So start preparing now, sixteenth to seventeenth of September. There you go. Now something that came into my mind um, during the week is uh, I was looking at my local clubs. Uh, accounts for the year I'm not going to tell you which club it is but anyway they're doing all right they're doing a good job Uh, but most of us don't uh, generate a lot of revenue really in our clubs and it's a big challenge for clubs that have expenses and want to invest in improving the facilities etc at their local fields so I was thinking, how can clubs make more money? And it's a tough job and it does take effort. Everything does involve effort. And uh, so one of those areas that I think you can make money on is just getting a group of like-minded people, which is always hard, and start thinking about some ideas of ways in which you can make money. Now, I'm going to give you some. You can sell sausages at your field every weekend. I know that at my local club, they don't normally do that. One of them I do. Actually, one of the clubs I go to, you turn up on a Saturday, and the, and the guy will come around and say, Andrew, what do you want? Hamburger? Sausages? He takes the orders down. He goes and cooks them. Everybody pays their money. So that money actually pays for the petrol for the mower, not just from people buying sausages. Pretty good, pretty good, easy way every week to just make, you know, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, right? So it's not too bad. It all starts to add up, helps to pay for some of the expenses. Increasing membership fees, everyone hates that. But that's the last thing people really want to do say, well, I'm playing enough as it is. When I actually look at how often I go to the flying clubs that I'm members of and amortize the cost, it's really pretty scary because it does cost me a fair bit if I amortize it that way and look at that, that perspective. But some people turn up a lot and so they get a lot of value out of it. But I really don't want to pay more for my flying membership with already playing, insurance fees, et cetera, different association fees. And it all starts to to add up. So things like selling sausages, running events. Running events is a great way to make bulk money for minimal cost. Okay, the Shepherd and Mammoth event's a big event. They have to go to a bit of cost to get bunting and stuff like that, but they're charging people to turn up. I think there is like $5 or something like that normally is an entry fee, and that helps fund all the other expenses that they've got and hopefully make a bit of a profit on top. Uh, So the bigger the event, the more costs that are associated, especially if you make it a public display and you've got a few other Things that you need to manage, uh, and of course, purchase the food and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot to to put in with those events, but you can run small fun fly events. Even in your own club, uh, you can run a, a, a fun fly event and just charge everybody five bucks, and that will get you some uh, extra money. Um, over here, we've got a hardware store chain called Bunnings, and they allow you to come and sell uh, sausages. But you gotta you gotta register early because there's a bit of demand for charities to come in and uh, and um, sell their sell their wares, sell sausages basically to raise money. Good way to make money. Some clubs do that down here in Australia and it works quite well. Uh, come try days. You can run a come try day. And I, I actually believe people would pay $5, 10 to come and try model aeroplanes. And if you do that once a, once a month, then not only are you going to help expand your membership base and participation in the hobby you're also going to make a bit of money school holiday programs these kids sitting around behind computers and their parents want to get them out and once little johnny says he's going then he tells all of his mates and all of his mates are going and they're turning up to um, the local flying club even birthday parties birthday parties gone crazy everybody wants to have a birthday party all the kids do they're looking for different things to do create a business model within your club go and sell birthday party time where you know the mum and the dad will pay happily pay $250, 300 for a group of kids to come out there and have an experience flying model aeroplanes. Yeah, you might have to invest in some trainer planes and stuff like that. But if you ask the members if they've got anything lying around, because we always do, they'll always um, be able to do that. Running raffles is a good way to do it. Sometimes you've got to invest in the product itself to sell the tickets and that kind of thing. But again, you can run a monthly raffle amongst your own club members. Uh, generate some revenue out of that. Market it on Facebook. Uh, you know, spread it wider. You know, just another idea. You get the gist. There are ways to make money outside of just increasing membership fees. And the thing is that we've got a declining participation rate, which means relying on membership fees and increasing membership fees is just not going to help the situation that much. So anyway, food for thought. Get out there, see how you can do it. Make some more money. Time for our guests. And as I said to you, we have Carlo joining, Carlo Esperato, Espartero, always get his name wrong, uh, Carlo Espartero. Uh, his Facebook profile says, dad, nerd, RC fanatic, tech geek. He's a legend. He, he, he's relatively new in the hobby, as I mentioned earlier, but he's, he he loves 3D printing and he's been 3D printing playing. So he sent me a message and he was telling me about how he's doing this. I said, do you want to come onto the Flat Out RC podcast? And he said, yes. And so I thought I'd take the opportunity to have a deep dive into 3D printed models. And Carlo, excellent communicator, loved having a chat with him. So here it is, my chat with Carlo Espartero. We're going to have a look at 3D printed models. Well, I love these podcast episodes where I get to learn something new and, and share that, that knowledge with all of you as well. My special guest today is Carlo Espartero from South Australia. How are you, Carlo?
1: Good afternoon, mate. I am very good. And how is yourself?
0: I am not bad. I've been looking. It's a Saturday as we record this. and I've been looking forward to this podcast recording all day. I had to say to my daughter, I have to take her someone. I said, hurry up. I've got a podcast recording to get to. So we're on track. Um, now, Carlo, as I said, I'm looking forward to this episode because you're going to really teach us a lot about 3D printed models. You sent me a message and I went, the world needs to hear your, your story about uh, 3D printed um, RC models. So before we get into that, though, just to add a bit of context about your aero modelling, where did your journey in aero modelling begin?
1: Oh, I've got a relatively interesting story. So essentially, I'm, um, I'm a tech head, right? I work in the IT industry, um, and um, I think you've said it in a lot of your podcasts, us aero modelers, we're, we're quite um, a bit of an active brain. And I'm 100% one of those people, right? So I like to do certain things, um, that kind of thing. And like I said, I'm in IT, so I like tech. So um, where I started, I joined the club, the No Longer Model Air Sport, about a year ago. But before I even got to that, (laughs) it's a funny start. Um, I started printing um, 3D printed boomerangs, right? And um, I essentially print them on my little printers. And I'm like, I throw them and I learned how to throw them. And I, I got really into the aerodynamic stuff, um, the aerodynamic um, properties of how a boomerang flies. And of course, an actual progression of that was like, I'm like, well, you know what? Why don't I get into um, remote control models? And um, essentially, this was about, you know, about a year and a half ago. and. Um, I thought to myself, oh, I'd love to buy myself a a Foamy or something like that, did some research. And then I came across a site called um, um, 3D Lab Print, and they had a free model, which is um, a a cub. So essentially, I started with a cub to print that, and I printed that using, um, you know, like a different material and of course, it didn't last long because, you know, I haven't joined a club or anything. I just flew it at the park, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, that, that model did not last for me. <laughs> so, But it got me it got me into it like, you know, wow, how cool is this? I can actually produce um, models in, in in my own home and actually got it to fly and just did the YouTube research and all that. So that's sort of where it started. And then I thought, you know, if I'm going to get into this properly, I went into it and I actually said, I went to, um, I looked at clubs and um, I went down to, um, down at Seaford, uh, Seaford Meadows and where I met um, the No Longer Model Aerosport. And when I got down there, you know, those guys were just so friendly and so welcoming. And in fact, before I went down there, I printed another um, um, model and um, I had it ready to fly. And joining a club then was just like, oh, you got to do this And he looked over um, a guy by the name of um, Troy Davies um, helped me out, looked over my model, oh, you got to do this, you gotta do that. Have you checked your CG and I'm like, what's a CG? I and he goes, oh, you' know wearing the plane but ah okay, that one. So you know it, it was fantastic like joining a club that way and just just getting those friendly people and having a yarn about you know how we about the model and everyone was crowding around saying what's that built out of? No, I've never seen that kind of model before. And, yeah, so, so and, you know, fast forward to now, I've, it's been my first sort of membership renewal at um, no longer. And I now, since then, I reckon around, I have around about 23 models in different state of
0: build. So you have quickly progressed into the world of aero modelling and are a true aero modeller because you don't have one aeroplane, you've got multiples now, and some that are probably... Not finished. So, welcome to the world of aeromodelling. That that's an amazing story, and it's 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 a fresh story. So, but I'm really interested. How did the spark come into your head about radio controlled planes? Like, where did that that come from? Is it was it just from seeing this three D printed model and thinking maybe I could do that?
1: I kind of missed a little bit of backstory then as well. Um, when I said I did boomerangs and got introduced to um, to, I love the aerodynamic side of things. But before that, I was actually also really into um, radio control crawlers, um, RC crawlers, yeah. four drives. Yeah. So um, I uh, I was just you know going down the local park and everything and um, yeah. So that's sort of what got my appetite with in terms of
0: radio control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a common story actually. A lot of us. Um, I've got multiple. Actually, I've worked out that I've got every every form of radio control. Like thing, I've got a sailing boat. I had a RC boat. Had I've got rock crawlers. Got normal buggies. I did have a road racing RC car as well. It's just something about RC, isn't it? I, I was just, but so okay. Let's get into the 3D printing model things because this is this has really got me intrigued. Because you know, I know, and most of us listening probably understand how a traditional model is put together. And yep, we know that 3D printing is you know printing something out of a plastic and uh, you know built built it all up and all that kind of stuff. But let's go through the process because along the way, there's going to be a whole bunch of questions that I've got of you, and and I, and I know I'm talking to the right person about this because you've been building lots of them. So first of all. Where do you find the designs to print?
1: Yeah, so that's a good place to start. So there are a lot of places on the internet. So um, essentially, you can get them from so many different places. Um, So just to plug a few places here, um, one of my favorite sites is called 3D Lab Print. um, That They do a a huge variety of models from World War II, um, Warbirds, um, from like a very, very small scale with like, I think, like, 1.1 to 1.2 meter wingspan. But they've also got some large ones. Like, they've got um, um, 60-inch Corsair on their site as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, all in between. They've even got um, a a bomber on there. You can build an entire bomber. That's, um, yeah, again, about 1.7 meters wingspan. So, yeah, um, 3D lab print is an amazing place. I'm just looking now at their website. They got all sorts of things. Oh, it's fantastic! Um, it, it's a bit of a it's, it, and it, and look they, they're a great design house. So I call them design houses because they, they're essentially a website or a business that that design these models, right? So 3D Lab Print. They've got the, 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 that's one. Um, Eclipseen is another one. Um, it's a great little design house. Um, and you wouldn't believe it, but there's a Another one called. Um, so I'm not gonna go through all of them, but essentially there's another one called. Um, oh, uh, 3D Aero Ventures. They they used used to have to pay for his designs, but I think the guy was just trying to promote, you know, um, model building and that kind of thing. So he's actually made. If if you look it up, he, he, all of his designs are free, and mm-hmm. essentially he's got a super chipmunk on there, and I believe you said that in your past. Um, oh yeah, love a super chipmunk. Yeah there is a super chipmunk there quite quite a big one that you can print totally free that design um so yeah you could get it from those thingiverse has some on the free sites thingiverse is totally free by the way um the, it's, thingiverse is just a, a site that gives you whatever 3d print objects not just planes right yeah, like, yeah it's a popular one. if you think i need this you could find it in thingiverse <laughs> yeah exactly. you can get that in cults
0: yeah Okay, so I'm just looking at this uh, 3D lab print, and gee, there's heaps, there's heaps of planes there. They've even got 73 inch um, Edge Five Forty, which looks great, and like a Red Bull kind of racer. But um, yeah, there's heaps, and, and yeah, they sell, they sell the um, the, uh, the files, but um, they're not overly expensive, really, when you think about it. Okay, so so we know where to get them from. Basically, we go to the internet. There's a number of different sites where we can download a file. Okay before we get into the actual printing side of things what kind of equipment do you need of course you need a 3d printer but i know there's sort of different sizes and types and whatever what's your recommendation when it comes to 3d printer
1: yeah look that's a whole thing of uh, discussion right so when when i talk about 3d printing planes so there's lots of different types of 3d printers um i'm i'm gonna stick with you know your I'll call it, quote unquote, a standard printer, called a fusion deposition model printer, right? Like technical name. What it is, is essentially a 3D printer where there's a head that melts plastic and it essentially deposits that plastic and it hardens. And that's how you build a 3D structure out of it. That's, you know, you you, you Google 3D printer. This is the types of um, printers. This is your bog standard thing where it's controlled by a motor and the head moves around. it's the best um those ones are the ones that i use to to print um planes there are other types there's resin printers and all that they have their advantages but realistically when you're printing planes we we are in that fdm style printer so the the prices range and it will all depend on the features that you get right like some of the i'm printing planes on a very cheap you know clone, a Chinese clone of what you call a Creality Ender 3. Um, I'm printing a clone of that. So it's even cheaper. I bought my unit for about $250, I think. And um, the build plate on that is about 220 by 220 by 250, right? That's your sort of standard bed size. So a lot of the design houses, when you're buying a plan, quite often they'll say minimum build plate requirements, right? So when you're choosing... Um, a 3D printer to buy. Um, essentially, you look at the sites that you want to get the what type of models you would like to print, and you look at the um, you look at their minimum. And quite often, you will find it'll be like that we need something that's 210 210 10 by 220, right? X, Y, and Z sort of width, length, and height. Um, those are those are sort of your a pretty standard size. So you can use one 3D printer. To start off with, I started printing with just one 3D printer. Like I said, I paid $250 for it, bog standard, bog cheap. But there's a lot of tweaking involved, which we can get into later. So in terms of starting equipment, mate, all you really got to start is to just start by getting a 3D printer.
0: Okay. So what about, I know that there's different filaments that are used in 3D printers, different materials that you can you can print with. When it comes to printing a model plane that you want to fly, what are the filament requirements?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's the that's the consumable, obviously. So you buy the printer and then you buy the um what I call the consumable. So there's your standard PLA or PLA plus, which is a little bit stronger. So PLA is polylactic acid. That that's your sort of most basic, easiest to print sort of um filament that people can use. That's your standard bug standard. They go for around about look, some less some more but about thirty dollars on average thirty dollars for a kilo, right and a model doesn't need more usually it doesn't need more than a kilo, right so it's it's very cheap so that's your bog standard there's now some models here to take advantage of what you call lightweight pla now this is a really cool material because lightweight pla it's still plastic but once you heat it up to around about two hundred and four, two hundred and forty, something like that. Right. Essentially, it foams, um, it foams in the head. So it actually expands to about twice as much. So even though they're more expensive, this lightweight PLA, so they go for around about sixty dollars for a um, sixty dollars for a kilo roll. But you actually tweak your settings to just use half the amount, because like I said, as it heats up, it expands to twice the amount. Right. So you print twice as many things on it. but in the same token because it foams the, the, the light so something that's going to be like 40 grams or something for a part it, it becomes like literally 15 grams because of that foaming material so it, it's fantastic it's a fantastic material the
0: drawback of, i was going to say there's got to be a trade-off <laughs>
1: oh yeah so so pla like i said standard bog standard plastic right still you know it, it, it's we can talk about how you know how survivable they are later but lightweight PLA, right? Um, this is why you got to look at the designs and really have a look at how they reinforce the pieces because and, and you can only buy things that are designed for a lightweight PLA because they, they print differently and they have to be strengthened in a different way because lightweight PLA, though it's half half the strength, it, it can be a little bit you know weaker in a sense. It actually feels like paper. if you feel it, on the outside, it's plastic, oh, but it yeah. feels like paper. I've, I've I've bamboozled so many people at the club when I showed them a piece of um, um lightweight PLA. So, mm. but it it's fantastic flying material. Like things that are printed in lightweight PLA are just, you know, they they just so light.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But okay, so not as strong. So that means you have to really think about how you build the structures internally to to strengthen the fuselage and the wings, etc.
1: Well, that comes with the design right so essentially unlike um unlike you say when you build something from balsa um because it prints it in layers essentially all of the ribbing that's done um in the into the piece for example a piece of the wing all of that reinforcement structure is built as it's sort of layering on that piece so it can achieve some really wacky shapes that like would make something super strong that you wouldn't think, you know, you'd look at it and you feel it, man, there's nothing to this. How can this be so strong? But because of the way that the designer sort of um, designed the internal ribbing of the piece, that there's some real ingenuity out there, well beyond my knowledge.
0: All right. Everyone talks about how how slow 3D printing can be, like waiting for something to print. And no doubt when it comes to printing a model, it will take time, one, but secondly, there'll be multiple components that you need to print. So tell us a bit about, you know, say a Piper Cub, you know, printing a Piper Cub, what what gets printed as one or what has to get printed as separate separate parts? Yeah, absolutely. So...
1: I said at the start, right? like your, your build platform on standard is 220 by 220 by 250, right? You you imagine that as a cube in millimeters, right? So essentially a fuselage would be something around five to seven pieces of varying, you know, varying sizes. Um, so, so if you imagine a, a one long fuselage, you would print that in separate little blocks. And yes, you're right. It does take a while, right? Like a, f- a fuselage piece on a bog standard printer, um, can go from about two hours to, uh, you know, I've had a piece that, um, would take about six to eight hours for one piece of the fuselage, depending on the way it's designed. Right. So, but it's all in pieces. And then this is where you're, um, but this is where the design, you know, how well the design comes into play. Some, some of, um, a good design has got really good linkages in between. They've got little like lips that go in from one to the other, and then um you you, you glue it using um medium medium or thick. some some people use thick ca um cyanoacrylate or super glue. So essentially, you use super glue to sort of glue them all together. So, in 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 response to your time question, so essentially, it, it um some are really well designed. Um, In the way that they print. I've had um, from 3D lab print, they've got a model of the Hawker Hurricane. I was actually (laughs) pushing myself. I have two printers and I was pushing myself to see how quickly I can do this. So essentially, I was able to print all of the pieces of that and assemble it within three days. Because the way that design, the way they've designed the, the pieces, it's really really quick to print. And I don't have a fancy printer, by the way. I've got right. a very bog standard printer. I do have two of them, so I can print two at a time. Um, up until I've actually printed the largest um, model that I've just done recently, and the design house that I got it from, it's 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 a design of um it's from a place called Owl Owlplane. O-W-L, owl plane and it's a um it's a copy of an ugly stick right so it's a 1.4 meter wingspan if you imagine an ugly stick right that's mm. pretty pretty bog standard It's a 1.4 meter wingspan one um really nice square fuselage um there's about seven or eight pieces to the fuse and there's about eight pieces no six pieces on each side in the wing that Took me about a week, a week and a half of just printing, like constantly with two printers, because the, the the way it was designed, there was a lot of sort of unnecessary travel in the head and that kind of thing because it was a little bit old. And I actually spoke to the designer on Facebook and I said, "Hey, is that you know this takes forever?" And he was just like, "Yeah, it's one of my earlier designs, so you know that kind of thing." So so yes, it it does take a while. The advantage of it though, in in the three D printer, right, like. Once you get your settings down pat, essentially um, you can press print and you can sometimes confidently leave it overnight. Like quite often I would start, I will try to schedule my prints that I would do a really big piece. I'll try to finish the last piece by about 11 o'clock at night. And then I will make sure that, you know, I will get the next piece set up from 11 o'clock and then I'll just go to sleep. And in the morning, the piece is done and then on to the next one. If that makes sense. Yeah, I sort of just try to schedule the prints that way. Okay. So yeah, it, it, it does take a while, but um, it it's not a lot of active work. It's sort of just like keep waiting. it going, yeah, waiting essentially, or you you do other things, right? So, so quite often I would just print it, and or or sometimes after finishing a model, I would actually start printing the replacement because um, you know, I'm I'm a bit of a novice flyer still, and um, some of the guys would attest to this. I I, I crash a fair bit of models, right? But That's all right. again, this is new. This is the other advantage of 3D printed models, right? Let's go crash to it, one. No, that's right. Printed like like some of the the CFI at the club, um, Troy again, right? Like I, I can sometimes see him rolling his eyes because I'm always just like, oh, we'll just see what happens. If it crashes, it crashes, you know, like yeah. a little bit cabinet.
0: <laughs> well, okay. You mentioned earlier about using CA to glue the components together. Um which that was one of my questions is what glue are you using is it just only ca that you use and how does it bond
1: yeah no definitely so i, I go through a lot of um, ca glue um ca glue is extremely strong um for for the for the application for for planes right like um like i said the biggest one i've done is um overall it's the 1.4 meter wingspan the ugly stick um but i've also printed like um, Delta wings that are like 1.8 meters wide. I've got a glider that's two meters wide that's fully printed out of them, um, lightweight PLA. And that's all held together by CA glue and obviously some carbon rods and all that. But essentially, use CA glue. Um, Zap's a good one. Um, Zap's a good brand. But also, what you can do with CA glue is um, I get this thing called an accelerator. I don't know if you've yeah, heard yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll yeah so it you on. just
1: put a CA glue in it and then you spray it. And then it just locks into place. And like, in fact, CA glue is my best friend and also my worst enemy because when I crash something not too badly, for example, and for example, the the, the nose yeah. is busted, right? And I want to repair the nose. I could easily just print that one piece. The problem is CA glue is so dang strong and so hard to cut that I actually end up no, nah, I'll just reprint
0: the entire fuse because it's, <laughs> it's impossible easier. to get that piece. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. So that answers that question. Now, I'm really interested to understand about uh, all the hinging of control surfaces because, you know, there's various different types that we use in, in traditional models. But uh, what do you use? How are you connecting those, uh, f- um, you know, ailerons, rudders, elevators?
1: Yeah, so um, there's, there's a few different ways. Um, the best way is um, the designer actually prints in the hinges themselves. So if you imagine there's a little triangle at the end of the um, at the end of the wing, and then there's a corresponding triangle on the aileron and there'll be a hole which you put a rod through. So, essentially, the hinge is built in. Oh. Does that make sense?
0: Yep. That, that. Yeah, so
1: some of the designers, they actually build in the hinges for you. It's it's amazing when they do that because then there's no there's no gluing, there's no nothing. So, that's, like, to me, the best way of doing it, really solid hinges. The next way to do it is um, you can actually print. There's another material. I probably should have touched it in the start. It's called TPU. I don't know what it stands for. I can't remember. But essentially, you can print um, tires out of it. It's like rubber, right? So it prints and it's very flexible. So you can print tires out of it and um, for your landing gear. And you can also print hinges out of it. So what the designers will do is they'll put a little slot in the wing. That's like the right tolerance for it. And you print this TPU piece, which is a small square piece or whatever shape they want to do. You slot it in and you use thin CA glue to flow into that port. And then you put CA glue on the other side and then you slot the aileron in, for example, into the other corresponding slot. So everything is printed. You don't have to buy anything, right? So that's fantastic. You you just build that that way. And lastly, some of them, um, I've seen a design where you can use, you know, your traditional pin hinges they actually just put down the design and again, they glue it in. Yeah. And also um, I've got a design that um, it's called for TPU, but the tolerances weren't right. So I ended up using um, nylon hinge that I cut myself, you know, the, the the CA, I don't know the actual code, the CA, the CA nylon hinge thing. Yeah,
0: yep. Yep. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's, uh, sure. I really like the idea of that, that it's uh the it's in the print and you just put a rod through and uh through the control surface that sounds good i'm having a look now at the um at that uh ugly stick design as well because they've they uh, that ugly stick looks like they've printed in the hinge and you just put a rod through that's right yes and that's my most
1: latest one that i'm still trying to you know i've only flown it once but it flew really well
0: (laughs) yeah okay now say with that stick so i'm looking at this stick now wingspan is what where is it that's the owl
1: 4 isn't it that's, the, owl one, the, LST4, that's the one the lst4
0: wing loading wing area wing cube loading runs on a 4s pack oh, all up flying weight is about 2.3 kilos um, yeah with, with battery that's not too bad at all um, yeah it's it's relatively light
1: um, it, it, it's heavy for me though, but I guess, um, some of my planes are quite light.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 1.5 meter wingspan on that, on that model. So it's a, it's a reasonable size now. Okay. So then you've glued it all together. Now, um, your electronics, your servos and all that kind of stuff, are they just screwed in to the, to the plastic or, or how are you connecting the, um, you know, installing the servos? Yeah. So
1: the servos, um, the servos sometimes um, are the most critical ones. So essentially, the designers would put little servo holes for you. Some of them put servo holes, and then you screw it into that servo holes. Some of them you print a separate sort of servo um, bracket, and then you and and bracket and cover, and then it will slot into the servo hole in the wing, for example, for your ailerons, um, and then you slot it through, you know almost similar to if you bought a servo cover for a normally built plane right but you 3d print everything so you've got that the motor mounts um, are probably one of the most critical parts here um now another material i'm going to call out into play here so pla so your standard pla um, they start to soften at around 60 65 degrees celsius right so you can imagine that if you're ringing out an electric motor up the front where your motor mount is mounted, there, there are instances there where like if it's too hot, it will actually soften your motor mount. Then you can imagine what would happen <laughs> after that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's another, there's another material called PETG that you could use or ABS. Um, so PETG, if you imagine a, a Coke bottle, um, that's similar material to that. Uh, there, you could use that particular material for motor mounts um, to withstand a little bit of that heat, right? So you would print the motor mounts out of that material because of that particular heat component. Yeah. Everything else there, you know, batteries, um, quite often either the designer will put little hooks that you can put um, Velcro straps in or you put a sticky Velcro strap on the bottom Um, And, um, yeah, you just use double-sided tape-free ESC. It's pretty standard sort of installation there um, with those sorts of things.
0: Okay, so it's not too, 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 too different, really. Now, assuming that really we're only talking about electric-powered planes here. Um, Yes, there are
1: some people I've been sniffing around. I'm, I'm a member of a lot of 3D printing groups. There was a guy who printed in lightweight PLA and then what they do is they do a fiberglass fiberglass resin oh, over the top, top to strengthen it, right?
0: Yeah. And
1: he's attempting it's a, it's a it's a Mustang. I'll see if I can find it, but it's a Mustang, and he's planning to put a um a nitro motor in it.
0: Okay. Well, see that <laughs> so, could work. Or a glow motor. Yeah, that could work. Uh, yeah. Okay. It could. Now, okay, finishing off the model, So I know I've seen a lot of three D printed parts, and sometimes when they come straight off the printer. You might see ridges and things like that. How can you finish off these models? Can you sand them? Can you paint them? You know what can you do in that regard?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am um, quite often the filament that I buy, I buy in you know cold white or blank white because I do you know I'm not the best painter in the world, and in fact, to me, you know, aesthetics come last for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not very aeromodelly, right? Yeah, <laughs> but. But um, for me, I, I like the functional side of things. So as long as the thing flies and it's visible in the air, I'm quite happy. But I have been starting to paint some of these models. So PLA and lightweight PLA takes paint really, really well. Um, in fact, sometimes too well that like it really absorbs the paint like really nicely, and it will stay that color. And you know, I've, I've got I've got some really nice painted models um, in that aspect. So. But at the same token, PLA in itself, like lightweight PLA, you can sand and PLA, you can you can both sand them to varying degrees. But I think with lightweight PLA, the problem is it is very delicate, So, but usually it, it produces a, a nice finish at the outside. But PLA, you can get lots of little layer lines and all that sort of thing, and it sands really well, right? Like I start with an 80 grit sandpaper. Um, to start off with, and then I sort of just increase the grit until I sort of like get rid of some of that layer lines. It um so it sands really well. You can also put primer on it like um some sort of putty. I bought some spray putty that you can put over the top of it, and then you can paint it after that. So it takes that on really well as well. Um, you you'll see some pretty amazing finished planes um out there like Troy McMillan, a YouTuber. He 3D prints planes, and you wouldn't believe some of the color schemes that he puts on his planes
0: so Man, it's such a different thing but you know my mind starts to races what, what what you could end up doing with them but um okay so landing gear what are you doing about landing gear you just using traditional oh. landing gear and bolting it on or printing
1: yeah so it, it depends on the design some designers like to use um so the 3d lab print hurricane um, they actually designed it so that you can put um, serverless retracts on it, which I have on my model. And it's really cool because you just literally, he, he's put the um, the inserts in there and you just slot it in and you just screw it in. No worries. Just like a normal model you would, right? Um, Eclipson, if you look at Eclipsen, they've he's actually designed a full retract system using a server. It's all 3D printed apart from the server, of course, but... The whole thing is 3D printed. Um, the, he used it in his um, Mustang model and the focke Wolf FW-190. It's a point of pride for the designer there that you can actually put his own 3D printed retracts on there. And I've tried it once and they actually do work really well. So um, you can do that. Um, there's some... So for example, the OWL, going back to the OWL SD4. So um, that... You, that he gives you um he gives you a design so you can actually print the um the re- the the legs in there some some are strong enough on their own i do quote unquote strong enough which we can touch later and um some you can you know you, they they say I'll oh, put a four millimeter carbon spar here and a four millimeter carbon spar there that kind of thing but quite often um the beautiful thing about those landing gear is um you you know that they, they, they're they're soft enough that like if they do crash, quite often they're replaceable, reprintable, no worries. Um, and also, as I mentioned before, you can print your own wheels and you can print your own tires as well using this DPU material, which is fantastic because, you know, some some of these tires, I, I was flabbergasted at how expensive some of them are.
0: <laughs> okay. So if I had to build that like stick-like plane, the ugly stick kind of plane, the STL, if I had to if I had to build that, how long would it take me, do you think, from start to getting it to the flying field? Oh, yeah, look, it will depend on a
1: few factors. Um, in fact, if you scroll down on there, he's got a total sort of printing time estimate there. But that's um that that so it's quite long. Um, from my experience, essentially, from the very first print, like I said, I took about look, I'll call it up to about two weeks, I'd say, of actually printing and making sure everything was all um, all printed and ready to go. And the assembly process, the assembly process was actually really easy because he um, put in all the pieces there. It took me about four days on and off because I have two kids. So, like, you know, my, my build um, time is quite limited. <laughs> but... Um, so, so yeah, so I'd say about two weeks for something like the owl, where it's a really, really old design. However, the 3D lab print, like I said at the start, the 3D lab print um, hurricane, I was able to do that um, relatively quickly. Like I said, three or four days, like I could print one of those in about a week, right? You know, on average,
0: easily. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like things are really things are really moving ahead at a fast pace with regards to 3D printed models now okay i know everybody wants to know this and answer this question you're the right person to ask and that is how robust are they like what's their crashability like okay so
1: (laughs) i will answer first but it depends on the model and it depends on the material that you printed in lightweight pla that that 3d lab print hurricane I took to the field about, you know, about a week ago, two weeks ago or something, and I landed it like, you know, I thought it was pretty good, right? Like essentially it was landing. I was about, you know, I was about half a meter up in the air and I cut the throttle. And, you know, you know how a plane just simply slows down and then it sort of just drops in the landing gear. But it was very low, right? So it sort of dropped ever so slight. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not a problem. And I've seen cracks, Everywhere on that lightweight like, uh. PLA, so I'm like really frustrated in that part of it because the light, the the retracts, I didn't put any suspension on it. Like it didn't say to put any suspension. So so landing 3D um, 3D printed planes, you earn the side of the caution and you gotta grease those landings. That's the, that's one of the things with these yeah. um, 3D printed planes, especially lightweight PLA. However, the um, that our plane, um, design i've i've printed it um, and i put like nice big tundra wheels on it and i landed it relatively hard and i've not seen any damage on it whatsoever um because maybe maybe because of the tundra tires maybe because of landing gear you know um but look end of the day if i was to give it out of five i'd say robustness you're looking at about a two
0: yeah, so so if you have a decent crash, you're basically starting again, pulling the gear out, and and then uh, printing a new new model. Absolutely, that's the um, that's one of the things about three D printed planes. So
1: it's so the, the the you're right, you know, they they are they can be quite brittle, but under uh, contrast to that it wouldn't have cost you much, you know. It, it does cost you in time, though, to reprint
0: the yeah. <laughs> Do you think that we'll ever see a day where there'll be like a hybrid kind of model, like you, you mentioned earlier, where you might, you know, fiberglass the outer side of it or something like that? So you basically use the plastic as the structure and then put another layer for sort of extra strength over the top?
1: Yeah, Now people are definitely experimenting with that now. I'm really seeing, like, Quite a bit of innovation there with the way people are um doing their designs like fiberglass reinforcement is one um it's really cool um there's a design house i believe called kraga k-r-a-g-a i think it may have spelt wrongly or whatever but essentially the design that he's done is he's designed the sort of inner structure and he's designed it so that you would put a covering just like a balsa plane
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just so looking yeah You did spell it. Yeah, like, instead of cutting Krager. it out
1: of wood, you would print it and then you would cover it.
0: Yeah. Websites 3D RC print, uh, 3d printed rcplanes.com. Krager, 3D printed RC planes. Gee, they look pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yep. So he's basically built a skeleton from out of there That's right. and then put uh, a traditional cover, cover over the top. Oh man, I need to get it. I always, I will be honest. Whenever any of my friends bought three D printers, I'd just laugh at them and say, "What are you gonna do with that?" Right? (laughs) But and I think, I think when they first came out, they were a bit of a novelty that people were saying, "Oh, you can print all these things." And they go, "Well, what do you need printed?" And people started printing little battery mounts and little bits and pieces. But this idea, like this Krager stuff, looks pretty cool. Where now you can actually build a plane um that changed the game for me it definitely does it does me.
1: yeah absolutely it's totally innovative the way they're doing things and um i don't know if you've heard of a youtuber called Rami r yes i was going to
0: ask you about Rami rc yeah. who he's well he's 3d printing molds yes to then you know build composite airliners and things like that out of it and and he's really a trailblazer in that, that space really, I think, because, you know, I used to see some of his earlier stuff and his newer stuff's a lot better than his earlier stuff, but, uh, we've all been along that journey with him, but, um, but yeah. And, and, but he had problems early on as well with the molds, didn't he? In- yeah, he
1: did. Um, there's some, you know, like some of the molds didn't quite turn out right or yeah, no, absolutely.
0: But I think as he, has he improved? I haven't kept track of him, but, um, he won't come on the podcast. I've tried to get him on. But uh he um yeah, where's he at with with his 3D printed models? Has he sort of got the the right materials and strength and all that kind of stuff going?
1: Yeah, look, the last um the last videos that I've sort of seen him was the um was those uh airliners that he's built with um with uh, carbon fiber and stuff. So, uh, I, well, he's built them multiple times now, and I, I think that's sort of where he's really heading with a lot of his designs. So he's definitely sticking with that as far as I'm aware. So,
0: it Makes a lot of sense. He, he, okay, he's spending a lot of time in getting the design into the program, stuff like that, but then um, it just, yeah, it just speeds up the whole process when you can 3D print, 3D print a mould uh, like that. It's just, you know, and, 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 he, and they're accurate as well seems like they're really really accurate and they look they look really good actually these planes are looking phenomenal
1: a lot of the um a lot of the tolerances for um D printed stuff i think goes to like 0.002 i think is the tolerance
0: yeah. yeah okay so we know that they're not that robust but that might change there's different ideas around you know what you can 3d print whether you 3d print the whole model whether you now just do the structure and finish it off with something else um, even down to fiberglassing, which will be interesting to see what happens using composites and stuff like that. Um, so really, I think we're at the infancy of it. Things is going to get better. Um, I suppose they are repairable. Like if you break a wing and the fuselage is okay, you just print another wing and uh, set that up and off you go. Um, so Correct. I suppose mixing and matching is um, it's the closest thing to growing back a limb. Really? <laughs> we can see <laughs> we, we broke one wing. Oh look, I'll print another one and we'll be up and running. Um, What do you think the limits are for these 3D printed models? Like how big can you actually go now? You know, assuming you've got a big printer, like like what's the limit?
1: So essentially it comes down to design, in my opinion, right? Like, and that's why to me, and I said this to um, when I was presenting to the club, I said, you know, there are free plans out there, but sometimes they're, you know, they're not worth your time because, you know, they wouldn't have tested them properly or, you know, but of course, there's some really good free ones too. Right. But, um, some, some designs out there, um, that they are really, you know, they are really challenging some of the sizes. Like I said, 3d lab print with like a, you know, a 1.8 meter wingspan one. I think there's, there's some, um, oh, the, Another great one is plain print. Plain print is, you know, they're expensive, but their are designs. I have one of the things which is a, uh, what you call a jet wing, and it runs on a 70 mil EDF. Um, and the way he's done it is you can buy short wings, which is, makes it a 1.2 meter wingspan. But he's also built, well, you can buy the other wings that, pushes it up to about 2.3 metre wingspan for a delta wing that runs on an EDF. So it's really, really cool stuff that's sort of coming out there. Um, the biggest one I've seen is around about a 2.5, something like that, wingspan. And that that, that consumes a lot of carbon fibre rods.
0: So it sounds like models can get quite large. Is rigidity a problem, saying wings and things like that? Uh, you know, and I suppose... If you really try to make a really rigid wing, you're using a lot more material, so then your your weight's going to suffer. But um, you know, is is that rigidity of larger models a problem?
1: Um, if designed properly, again, um, it, it it's not. Quite often, it's quite good. Like I'm gonna go refer to that um plane print um to two point something meter jet wing, right? Like, because it's a delta wing, um, it uses something like you know a couple of Eight mil carbon tubes, and then you know six mil on the end of that, and a couple of extra stuff. But it actually says on their um on their site when you look at the user guide, it actually says if you run this at the lot with the with the big wings, um, you may experience some oscillation at high speeds. So I think they are having a little bit of rigidity rigidity issue on something that kind of um that that large but i don't think it's something that can't be overcome i think it's just a matter of well let's reinforce it better the materials are super lightweight anyway so i think there's a lot of possibilities there
0: yeah i really see a world where we're going to see hybrid models of 3d maybe a bit of wood maybe a bit of composites and stuff like that because then you can sort of mix and match the best of um best of both worlds and 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 of course Carbon fiber, but you can you can print carbon now, can't you?
1: There are um, there are carbon fiber materials that um, that are coming out, and nylon, and that that's the other thing with three D printing side. There are so many different materials that are coming along now, and and it's not just materials as well. There's we're at the cusp of some new three D printers coming out as well, right? Like if you don't mind to indulge me, essentially the, the new printers that are coming out. Um, now it's called it's by a company called bamboo labs they've sort of pioneered this really really high speed printers that are coming out now and now reality which is one of the main um, main manufacturers that started off the fdm craze is now they're like oh look at how popular bamboo labs are coming out with their super fast printers they've now come out with some of their printers so i think at the moment you know how you said that oh you know it will take forever to print we are now on the cusp of new technologies that um, it's becoming faster and faster and faster now. So really, really fast flow materials. To, To give you a bit of context, I'm printing at around about 60 to 80 millimeters per second, right? Like that's just a number, it's hard to visualize that, but 60 to 80 millimeters per second. Bamboo Lab printers, standard, before you even tune it and get it right, they run on standard for about 400 to 500 millimeters per second. So take that into account how fast that moves. Yeah, yep.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, See, so everything's just moving ahead in leaps and bounds. I really like the idea of like a carbon printed model. I wonder how that would uh, that might be more robust, but it's going to be a lot more expensive, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, it's expensive. And I think um, I'm not sure of the weight penalty of it either. But then I mean, we've got giant scales out there. They're like what 20 kilos or I something. Surely anything's possible, right? Look,
0: if you put a big enough motor up the front, it will fly. As long as It's all about thrust. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, now, before we get talking about how they fly, let's just tell us about some of the models that you've built and flown.
1: Yeah. So um, let me just um, dive down into my history lane. So I've got a couple, right? Um, I have printed a few things from Eclipse in. Some delta wings. Um, I've actually printed the 1.8 meter delta wing. Um, it's called the the white wing on their site. Um, that I've printed it both in the propeller version and an EDF version. The really cool things. Um, so they're, they're awesome. I've printed some scale warbirds. In fact, I've um, printed 3D Lab prints zero um, A6M2 zero. Um, and the hurricane, like I said, and in fact, the zero, oh, I needed to make space in, in my shed because, um, you know, being told off for having too many planes now, I actually gave it to, um, to a, um, to a club member. I said, here, have this. And I gave him the motor and ESC and everything. There you go. You know, um, gave it to him. It's like, oh, this is cool. You know? And I said, look, it comes with a reprint guarantee. If something <laughs> cracks, I'll reprint it for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um. And um, I go for, I like to go for interesting models, if that makes sense, right? Like, um, not just the, war. I mean, I love the World War II Warbirds. Um, I love the plane print jet wing because it's a really fast EDF delta wing, which is really, really cool. I've got the owl, owl print v which is not based on any sort of a model. Um, 70 mil EDF as well, high wing V-tail. It's, it's on the side. So, so, you know, I go for those sort of interesting models. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like the cool factor of it, you know. So, Now, how do they fly? Look, they, some of them, I've printed a, uh, <laughs> the Eclipson focke Wolf FW-190 in all PLA. I think it was designed for lightweight PLA. And put it this way, mate, I've printed it three times now. <laughs> And I don't have it, any of it. <laughs> so that one flew. was really, really hard um, to fly. But um, again, it depends on the model, right? Like it, it's kind of like saying, you know, well, how does the ugly stick fly? You know, versus I don't know the fun cub, for example. You know, they that they're, they're it all depends on the model, unfortunately. Um, but if you ask me, I um, uh, one of the few. F- actual you know purchased planes that i got is the riot v2 and that thing can just do absolutely anything you i fly that thing and it's like you know whatever you know you do it will do anything for you but then this but then i've got other 3d printed planes that um fly almost as good as it right um so again it depends on the model unfortunately so it'd
0: be great to do like say a stick back-to-back comparison you know same size one 3d printed one A traditional build kind of thing, and then uh, do a back-to-back flight test and see um, see how they compare. But uh,
1: sounds like a YouTube video idea. It does,
0: doesn't it? The three D model actually probably looks better. I saw that that STL is you know you can bring in some slightly different shapes. It's it's actually interesting. There was a um, a a company um, called Winners Model that were were building some planes and. um, you know, Segev and his brother Yonatan were involved in designing some planes and they started playing with this hybrid kind of view of balsa with fiberglass which allowed them to create different shapes in the fuselage and you don't have any of that problem with 3D models you can do sort of whatever you like and you'd be able to print it so um, yeah if you really wanted to build a nice model and you had some good engineers behind it you could probably 3D print it and like you said it comes back to the design of Probably fly pretty well, but um, yeah, back-to-back comparison awesome. there's,
1: there's, some real, there's some real innovative design houses there. One thing I'll mention it. I'll mention one more. It's called Titan Dynamics. They predominantly design FPV planes. Um, but they they CFD computational fluid dynamics. They actually CFD test their models for yeah. efficiency. It's it's insane. As the, there was one guy there. I think they flew for like two hours and. On, a, on one battery. It was Gee. that efficient. Yeah, it's just insane. Because some of the shapes you can achieve by printing as opposed to building something, you know. What was that website achieve. again? Uh, Titan Dynamics.
0: I'm just going to have a look at that because I like the idea of having a yeah. plane that flies for two hours.
1: It, it's insane. Um, and and I think their main thing is that long-range FPV, you know. You, you, you put in your super crazy ELRS receiver transmitters, and nice big FPV systems, and you know, not that it's legal, but they can, you know,
0: yeah, they
1: can travel a ridiculous amount, it's
0: yeah. unbelievable. Okay, and they show
1: all of their CFD results as well. If you're that kind of guy who can actually understand the voodoo that is CFD, yeah,
0: it's no one there. Okay, yeah, it's got some, um, they got heaps of different models here. Yeah, there's one <sighs> that's that. like a predator,
1: you know, like the um, the, the predator drone. They've yeah, got yeah. one that's like that. Yeah. They got vetoes as well. <laughs> yeah, they've got everything.
0: It's They're crazy. It looks it's like a couple insane. of guys that are just, you know, going, Hey, let's just do something. <laughs> we can do this. A couple of young young guys are awesome. Okay. Hey, man, there's so much like I feels if it like we're talking about something that is about to explode. You know, it's because there's just, so. there's so much scope for what can be done. And I didn't realise how many websites now exist with people selling selling um, plans. It looks like around $40 mark, $50 mark kind of thing. is seems about standard whether it's US dollars or Australian dollars or what, but... Uh, it all
1: differs. There's some euros in there throwing yeah, in as well. It's but still right. it's
0: cheaper than uh, most models. Now, if anyone's looking at getting into 3D printed models, what model do you think they should look at starting off doing as a first run? I would
1: recommend trying out the... Um, 3D Lab prints free model, that Piper Cup, just to get their feet wet. Um, I believe Eclipson also has a free model, which is a an old glider called the Go Wolf or something. That's also free. That design is free as well. Um, and those are just sort of like high wing sort of easy things to to, to get your feet wet, I say. Um, the Go Wolf can be printed both out of PLA and lightweight PLA. If you've never three D printed anything before, I would recommend sticking with PLA first. Hmm. But the consequence of that is it may be a little bit harder to fly because of that additional um, weight penalty. But start with a free plan, get your put it up in the air, and just just see how you go, and just follow the um just follow the instructions. All of them have got relatively good instructions, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so, having a bit of 3D experience, 3D printing experience would probably help, but nothing like getting into a project to learn how to do it. Absolutely. And you know what? You won't get it right straight away. Like, you'd be pretty good if you could get it
1: right straight away. Right. But,
0: well, it's no different, really, to traditional model builds where everyone that I've interviewed and I always ask them, So, what was your first model? You know, how did it fly? Or what, what did it look like? And you got, they always say, Oh, it was terrible. The first model is the experimental model. and Okay, we always put pressure on ourselves to try to be a gun from the start, but realistically, when you're building one of these models or building any model, your first ones are sacrificial models, a learning test bed, <laughs> and then you're just going to keep on improving from there and then and there. And so, um, yeah, just got to hang in there. But, uh, no, nah, it's exciting times though with 3D printing. I didn't realise how many models are available now, but uh, generally they seem to be smaller kind of electric driven kind of stuff, but as I said, I reckon we're going to be seeing bigger and bigger, you know, models coming out as well. Uh, and then oh, I believe there'll be these hybrid models as well. That's my personal opinion. But um, now, question for you. Um, so you say you've been flying for about a year. Have you? Are you going out regularly to fly now?
1: Look, like I said, I've got two kids, so it's a little bit hard to go regular plus a full-time job. So <laughs> I take my flights where I can. Um, I'm flying tomorrow. I've pre-approved. I'm yeah. very excited. <laughs> I am ready to take video.
0: <laughs> yeah, a, a mate of mine uh, had a. He, I met him through flying, and then he um, ended up having a, a baby, and and he'd bring the bring little Christopher down to the club. And you know those baby Bjorn's, the baby carriers. Yeah, I've got photos of him with the baby strapped to his chest facing outwards whilst he's flying the plane. <laughs> and and then as he got older, he said to him, Dave, don't worry, I'll look after Chris. You go you go for a fly. And I'd hang around with Chris and he'd go for a fly. So, you know, clubs can be kid-friendly, you know, especially the young, young ones. When they start to want to run around, um, that creates more problems, you know, when they can actually Absolutely. walk. But uh, before that, you can strap them to your body and go for a fly. So. Uh, it's I, look. I'm past that stage. My kids are old enough where they don't want to be near me unless they need something <laughs> from me. Like my daughter is saying, "Can you drive me and my friends to some frozen yogurt place?" Yeah, okay. You just you're just using me now. But drive
1: them there and then go for a flight. Right. That, well, that's you right. It's you know. <laughs>
0: Uh, a friend of mine said to me once, do you ever spend any time with your family? I said, they don't want to spend any time with me. I said, for example, I get home and I see my daughter and say, how was school? And her, her response to me is, go away. And I went, okay. <laughs> so now what I do every time I see her, I just yell out, go away. I don't say hello anymore. <laughs> but anyway, it's just it's just a phase they're going through. Trust me, it's just a phase. That's what I keep on saying to myself. It's just a teenage years. They'll grow out of it. But yeah, you know, I always say as it gets, as the kids get older, <laughs> I don't want to spend as much time with you. That's good. I'm I'm more free now to do what I want to do. That's that's okay by me. So it's all right.
1: No, it's 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 good like that. You sort of change. But um, shout out to No Model Aerosport as well. Um, we, they've just got asked all the members for um sporting gear. And yeah. um, like, you know, like just cricket bats and everything. And and quite often in the weekends, I see like, you know, kids, there just, you know, playing around with the ball. In that the is shed, a great idea.
0: See, I'm a big fan of table tennis and I keep on telling my club, buy a table tennis table. So in, in between flights, we can do some exercise, you know. That's great. Uh, they've got some swings and stuff for kids, but it's not enough. We need table tennis and other sporting activities. And look, all these clubs have got plenty of space. We could have a cricket pitch. We could play football. You name it. We could, We could. Uh, you know, look, they say that error modelling is a sport, but our, our, the heart rate only gets up a bit when we're sort of in trouble <laughs> with the model. But uh, maybe we need to encourage flying clubs to diversify in the sporting realm. So that's a good idea. I definitely think so. I think that's the idea. Was I correct in reading that you've got a YouTube channel as well, that you've started doing some stuff on um, 3D printed models? Yeah,
1: I do. Um, <laughs> Give it a plug. I'm very much like at the start of it. And I'm really, look, all honesty, I'm not doing it with big aspirations in mind. I love the hobby, right? I love model aircraft. I love 3D printing. Um, and it's just hard for me to get. So, So I just put videos up there of what I think is good. And I just love, I just love What's videos, the What's so the name
0: yeah. of the channel, Carlo? We want oh. to watch it.
1: <laughs> um, it's Low Cars Hobbies. So L-O-C-A-R-S
0: Hobbies. Low Cars hobby. What Hobbies. Hobbies. Hobbies.
1: L-O-C-A-R-S
0: Hobbies. Excellent. H-O-B-B-I-E-S. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go to that page now and have a look. Uh, that's good. You know, like we need people like you on YouTube to keep on adding to uh, – adding different content you know i'm personally where i'm at with my era modeling is i've been around it long enough that i've heard and i've seen a lot of different stuff um i i like seeing weird and wonderful builds and that kind of stuff i think it, it it's what a lot of us are interested in um and when you look at look at some of the channels that are really firing like the lighter side of rc um you know we like getting involved in some of those builds and and following those projects and and learning uh learning so you know i love this idea of the 3d printed models and what that what that could mean i've seen a few at the field um and you never like people who 3d printed their models are always happy people i've never met a person that's into 3d printed models that is just oh yeah i don't know about this they're like oh have a look what i've done look at this and like you said tech heads you got to be a bit of a tech head but um yeah it's exciting and, and you know
1: why else that is Andrew why is because if they crash the model they can just reprint it, it. so that's, that's like less stress
0: it's true it's very very true actually
1: <laughs> imagine a thousand dollar model and you crash and burn right like, yes yeah,
0: stressed out maybe I need to go and get a three I've got friends who got 3d printers I might we'll have to do an experiment and one it. of these models, I've got plenty of spare gear, motors, and things ESCs lying around. That won't be a problem. I just need just need to get a model anyway. I'll have to search one down a little like. And uh, no,
1: they don't take anything complex either, man. Like, um, 2212, <laughs> you stand 2212 motor with a 30 amp ESC, yeah, Or fly most
0: things, <laughs> yeah, true, true. Okay, we've come to the end now. It's the important question. And it's going to be an interesting one to get from your perspective, and that is what has been your all-time favourite model in your short era modelling career, but a very fruitful one at that.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a very simple answer for me. It's the Riot V two. It's not three D printed. I know. Oh,
0: I've got the three D printing guru on here, and he's picked his best models. This is not three D printed. Ah, oh, there we're just done. On just the, uh, everybody, well. rewind this whole episode, wipe <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> but I also have a favorite 3D printed model. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, what's that? My favorite 3D pr- printed model is Plain Prince Jetwing, the 70 mil EDF, because that thing just performs it's got rudder it's got a rudder it it's it it um directs the edfj it's got like thrust vectoring at the back oh, of really? the rudder oh man it apparently look i'm not skilled enough but apparently you can do flat spins like i think there was a plane in the past that turned the motor left yeah, or right yeah, yeah, together, yeah. Yeah, what... and it did like crazy spins yes. apparently this can do that so oh, oh, gee. that is my favorite 3d printed model and I'm about to reprint it because it's had a couple of few bangs, but um, it's had about 15 flights. But I think I'm going to reprint a few soon. <sighs> See? See?
0: Okay, you know I'm changing my mind on 3D print, people who got 3D printers. I won't tell you what I would always ask people, what are they going to print, but... I can see some value now. Now we're talking three D printing. You know, this is this is meaningful stuff. There's actually a friend of mine's got a three D printer that's an Aero and I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure he listens to this episode, and he's gonna start printing <laughs> printing models. I actually I saw a uh, I've got a a a slope saw called the Dream Flight R here, which is about a 1.1 1.2 meter wingspan slope saw a glider, and um beautiful shape foam. It's a foam model, but someone. Um, has created a three D print version of it, and it looks just as good. And it'd be really interesting to see how the three D printed version um, went. And I think a friend of mine was going to look at, at printing one. I've got actually, I've got to contact him. I should get him on the podcast. Oh, well. I got to
1: get that too. I, think I I've know never heard of it, but it's that, that's
0: Ahi Slope um, Slopesora. Mm. If you can find the file, there, I don't know where you get it from, but uh, um, it's yeah, it looked really really good. Um, I think it was free too.
1: Um, oh that's fantastic see there's a lot of free things as well that's what that's what i mean it's
0: just but it sounds like yeah it's on thingiverse actually ultrabatic slope glider it's called on the on thingiverse actually um ultrabatic slope glider version 2 oh gee that looks good
1: version 2 that's good yeah that means and I mean, it's not too big so it's only 1.1 which means that it won't take too long to print so if it's yeah. so when i said to you that like free models sometimes you know I don't know if they're worth it, but if they're small enough, right, just try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So you've you've lost a little bit of filament. It's not a big deal. Filament's very cheap.
0: I wonder whether we'll ever get to the point of being able to melt down a model and reuse the filament. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, that's, that's one of the issues, right? The recycling of this filament. And I think they're still working through a fair bit of that at the Uh. moment. So in all honesty, I think that's my biggest gripe with this thing is that, um, unfortunately, the, the materials aren't very recyclable, so that's not very environmental of me. Yeah.
0: So. Oh, well, we'll forgive you this time. So stop crashing is the yeah, message. That's, yeah, that's there. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. More <laughs> CA. You know, <laughs> More CA, a bit of duct tape, you know, tape things up. Okay, we're off flying again. Exactly. Anyway, Carlo, I'll tell you what, this has been a really enjoyable episode and, and I, I know people are going to be really interested in now to, to get onto the computer and look at some of these models and stuff like that. Yeah. Carlo Espartero from South Australia, a, a relative newcomer to aero modelling, but I'll tell you what, well, I'll t- it was great to just find out more about 3D printed models and you have got me intrigued now. Thank you, Andrew. Have a great day. About to leave, already back in with me i'm not really asking we'll get away to a place where we don't know another episode of the flat out rc podcast done and dusted and what an episode it has been carlo Espartero talking 3d printed models i'd love to have a go and see how they fly and compare to balsa planes and i wonder how big they're gonna get no doubt they'll get bigger and bigger we'll get smarter with our designs and i think you know we're gonna see more and more of them at our flying fields i think we're at the infancy of it but uh well done carlo for sharing some knowledge with us lots of events uh coming up don't forget about the jets over Minato event don't forget about the mammoth scale event it's going to be a big event i hope you're out there in the sheds building model planes getting out to the fields and flying or just listening to this podcast and don't forget subscribe whilst you're there whilst you're here and uh jump over to our youtube channel instagram facebook do all those things subscribe to all them and tell your friends if you like this podcast something. Take a listen as well. We'll be back in the future with more episodes. Talk to you soon. Now, looking back, eyes on the freeway, Bonnie and Clyde, a classic cliche. We're on the run. This is what we wish.